Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I'm Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. It'll be interesting to see how the numbers do on these next two podcasts. Um, I was listening to a different podcast and they talked about how the numbers usually jump up this time of the year because people are taking trips, maybe have a little bit more free time. Hopefully that'll be the case here. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You kind of wonder if some of the some of the, 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 the trend would be down a little bit because some of these teams aren't still playing. But yeah. yep. like you said, travel, even if your team's not playing, playing and you're a football junkie like you and me you still want to listen to the content so that's a that's a great question i mean i would think that some of the teams big 10 fans that you know, aren't in a bowl game they'll get somewhat starved right uh to to watch some of these teams in college football um i contend these bowl games that mean quote unquote nothing they still do pretty well i saw a lot of people a little bit annoyed Yesterday, I was one of them <laughs> that we didn't have a college football game last night. So pe- people, will, you know, they're going to start tuning into these bowl games more and more, the better and better the matchups get. I think the whole crowd of these games don't matter is the talking heads again that we've complained about all season. And like, do they actually like football? Like, I think some of these people really just hate the sport and they just cover it because they it's a paycheck. I don't I don't know. I think that's where the majority of that comes from, though. I don't think you're completely wrong, or at least that's part of the explanation. Um, I've just never been in the in the camp of complaining about football. Certainly, there are I times to during... watch football. I'm in. So. Yep, yep. And like I said, put a little shekels towards them uh, these games, and you'll, you'll pay a little bit more attention. Get into a bowl pool. Some of the fun stuff you can do. That's that's tis tis the season for that stuff. Exactly. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of tis the season, how's Christmas going around around the house? Kids kids getting excited. Oh, buddy, my daughter's running around. You know, we have, for some reason, we have like three different areas in the house where we have to count how many days until Christmas. And then <laughs> and, he, and none of them are ever right. Like, they're all, always a day off or a different. It's it's that. But, and then, you know, there's the lovely elf on a shelf for any other parents out there that, that partake in the elf on a shelf. It's, you know, how many times have you laid down in the bed? And you go, oh, shit, I got to move the elf. And you get just up real had, quick. You, just had it last night, buddy. Yep. So, so what's your what's your elf's name if you don't mind me asking? Emma. Emma. Okay. So a, a, a more normal name. Yeah. Well, I was surprised when she went with that name, but that's that's Emma. what she so, went with. So, so the daughter named named the elf. Yep. Nice. Yep. Ours ours is pumpkin. Which makes no, sense. Oh, nice. Okay. Right. Yeah. So okay. Pumpkin had a close call. He barely made it back from the North Pole <laughs> last night to would have been the first time Pumpkin had a bad night, but he, he made it back. He's, he's he's somehow always I'm Pumpkin is running out of places to go. But I think Pumpkin's about ready to uh, make it back to the North Pole here pretty quick. Yeah, you get towards these last few days, and you're really scraping the barrel. You're like, yeah, I just you know you know what? I'm just gonna sit right here today and stare at you. We're not. It's there's no creativity this time. <laughs> But it's got to be out of reach, otherwise, you right? Know, there, oh, there's yeah. issues that can happen. There, well, we've so. we've we've instilled the fear of God in her. You touch it, the magic goes yeah. away, and you know she's, yep. she's all about it. So. That's the thing. Um, and then I want to give a shout out to all the people that responded to the Bumble story. I mean, it was awesome. Like Twitter DMs, tons of DMs, and like you know, people texting me. Like that was awesome. And the funny thing is, I was not going to tell the story. But I told Big Kurt via phone, and he was laughing so hard when I told him. I'm like, 
if that's Scrooge, and I think Kurt would would fess up to being a real life Scrooge. I think he may have done that on the pod before. For sure. So yeah. he he I'm like, you know what? If you're laughing, then I gotta tell it on the podcast because if you know what I mean, like if, if it can make him laugh, it'll make other people laugh. So he deserves a little bit of credit there. Um, you know what I think <laughs> I think if I think if Kurt was actually Scrooge, you know, in, in one of the versions of a Christmas carol. I think at the end he'd be like, "Okay, maybe you're right, but I'm not going to go to the party." <laughs> you know what I mean? He would, he would get like, <laughs> he would concede, to... but still not give in. Like it's like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I, but to quote him exactly, what are we even doing here? <laughs> right, right. I I would love to see a remake of Christmas Carol with Big Kurt. All right, and then uh, let's we'll, we'll switch it over to football right now. So. National Signing Day was just yesterday. I'm sure there are college football podcasts completely committed to talking about nothing but recruiting. Good on you. I'm glad there are people out there that can do that. I'm not one of them. Never really have been. And then it's gotten even less and less like interest I have taken in recruiting over the last Certainly five years, but it's it's exponentially gone down the last couple of years. What where are you at on the whole feels of Christmas or uh, uh, recruiting day, which is like Christmas for some people? It's commitments. Commitments. That's right. There you go. Uh, used to be a diehard recruiting junkie. Like I would dig like to an unhealthy level, dig into what some of these recruitments were like. I, I have one as I've gotten older. I've gone away from it a little bit. And then, like you said, the TP makes it, the, the layers are so much deeper to it now because yeah, sure. These, these players are committed now. And if they don't like what happens there, they could transfer in a year. So I still follow it to some point where right. I, I know who Michigan's after. And I know who some of the other big fish in the conference are that are coming in, but it's not to the depth that I used to follow. Yeah. Follow I by, think by any means. And you're younger than, Kurt, younger than me, but you you got the the brain of a sixty year old, so you're not too far away from us. But you are younger. But I would just say, I would I would think, <laughs> as most dudes get older, they would pay less and less attention to seventeen and eight year olds getting recruited. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Um, we what we're gonna do is a podcast probably right around the February signing deal, where we will specifically talk about recruiting. I don't know if we're going to go in-depth details about each team's class, but we'll we'll just have some fun takes on recruiting. Maybe it'll time up when Big Kurt is actually in Minnesota. That's been rumored. We'll see, but we'll have more on the topic of recruiting. For today, it's going to be a very quick touch-up on, on the recruiting, on where stuff stands, and then moving pretty quickly onto that uh, away from that. Yeah, we'll hit okay. some high points, maybe some low points for a few teams. Move on because we got ball games to talk about now. We got four. We got four to talk about. We we only got nine, hopefully ten of these left to to talk about as far as uh, as far as Jordan is concerned. Not very everybody listening to this podcast is going to be wishing for a tenth Big Ten game, but no, uh, that that is very true. Yeah, but we'll break that in uh, those four games down just a little bit. But first of all, like I said, uh, this is essentially recruiting and TP happenings or just general things going on with each team um so alphabetical order just like how we did it last time we'll just keep it going rapid fire is the key hopefully this comes across as fun and not us trying to go 100 miles per hour 
just doesn't seem like the podcast to sit there and hone in on every single team with this stuff. So first up on alphabetical order, Illinois fighting Illini. They are 10th in the Big Ten, number 43 in the country. Not bad. Got a couple of D linemen in the transfer portal. I would just say overall, Illinois fans have a lot of consternation with the recruiting. I think it could uptick up a little bit more, but you know what? Not bad for Illinois and Beetle. They're doing fine. Yeah, just a little cursory look at their class, too. A lot looks like really addressing the trenches. So, Big Ten team working on the trenches. It's always a good strategy, in my opinion. Our guy, Big Curd, and uh, Big Dog winners. And they they love seeing, and, and of course, the Kingfisher, they love seeing Bill Wright, right? Get it from the inside out. So, I think that's good stuff for them. Next up, Indiana Hoosier Siggy, uh, 13th in the Big Ten, not ranked in the top 50. By the way, again, I'm not the most committed recruiting person so the recruiting rankings i saw went up to the top 50 so unfortunately if your team is in the not in not in the top 50 i didn't find it i don't know if you want to look it up real quick that's that's up to you but uh uh so so what you would expect when you have a transition for a coach i don't think who's your fans should be too worried about that siggy you know the marlboro man he is doing some decent work in the transfer portal got a d lineman trey wedding uh left or, or he got Trey Wedding in from Wisconsin. Got to give Bob Bodstadt, the old Wisconsin offensive line coach. Got to think there was a little bit of connection there. So that's that's pretty good. Got a, got a name there. And then quarterback Chris Rourke from Ohio. When that guy was good at Ohio, he was good. Ohio was good. So I that's a sneaky little get from the transfer portal. It's uh for for Curtis Rourke, it's health. When he's healthy. He's a dynamic player. He got he just could never stay healthy for Ohio. But yeah, this is somebody that if, when I saw him, like that's a good get for the Hoosiers. Yes. That's a good thing to happen. I think he's only a one year guy. But you know what? That that's your bridge to help start what what uh the, the Marble Man is trying to do in Bloomington. Smoke him if you got him, baby. Next up, like Iowa it. Hawkeyes, number six in the Big Ten, number twenty nine nationally. It's, a, it's an Iowa class. I mean, this is just what they always look like. They got five or somewhere around there, four stars, a bunch of three stars. Again, we'll talk more about this stuff when we concentrate on, on a recruiting-specific podcast. But I just always look at Iowa classes the same way. I'm like, who's the two-star that's going to wind up being one of our best players? I have no idea. It always winds up that way. So what's the point of even putting too much brain power into this? Oh, I I, I have an idea. Yeah, who it is. Okay, yeah. it's the punter from the same freaking area as Tory Taylor. And how do you know how to say his first name? Is it Not Reese? Yet. Is it Ryan? We'll but see. Last name is Dankin. This dude is going to be another Iowa legend punter. It's basically written already in stone. That will one hundred percent be who we're talking about in two to three years. Fully support it. I would love if maybe he isn't the star of the entire team. <laughs> I think most Iowa fans would, would, would like a little bit of change up, but we still love our our punters. Don't don't get me wrong. Just take the punting as winning thing a little too far, I think. But uh, we got spicy Kirk Ferentz pissing off uh, fan bases around the Big Ten. I've sort of enjoyed that, uh, but I also don't think he's being nearly as spicy as people think. I, I don't think he's being as spicy to other fans or, or programs as he is people that spend so much time concentrating on offense and not taking defense and special teams and wins into consideration. He's pissed. He's taking it out. I don't deny that. 
He's also not incorrect with a lot of the things he's saying. Certainly, though, I am biased when I say things like that. I don't know if you've seen any of that stuff. Oh, I've seen some of it, and I don't think I disagree with a whole lot that he's been saying. Some of it, he probably didn't have to get as specific uh, uh, (laughs) as he did, but overall, the the statements weren't wrong. And a lot of this is because of people's uh, stress on the offensive coordinator not being hired yet. I tried warning people like a week and a half ago that this was going to take some time and he wasn't going to rush this situation. Uh, Whether people like it or not, Kirk Ferentz typically takes these bowl games pretty seriously. So he's still doing the interviews, but they're getting into bowl prep because they, they want to go down and win this bowl. So that's, that's ticking people off. But the, the thing is there's, and, and what it is is people want guys out of the transfer portal and not having your offensive coordinator hired certainly will limit that success. Like, so there's no denying that, but they're at the 85 limit. They don't have a ton of room to move anyways. So there's just a lot of factors you got to take in with then just taking guys in the transfer portal willy nilly. It's not Madden where you go sign a free agent and then just go over and hit a X B and then release that other player. Like, right. It's just, it doesn't work that way. No, it does, and I hope it never does, but I think we're starting to go that direction. And then on top of that, I mean, we got Jay Higgins, Sebastian Castro, Luke Lachey, Eric All. There's more guys I can name. They're not not announcing their, their intentions to go pro yet, probably because a lot of those guys aren't getting great grades. We're not getting them all back, don't get me wrong, but some of them are coming back, so I think you got to err on the side of dudes that have already shown they can play at this level, as opposed to putting too much work into transfer portal guys that you don't know much about. Yeah. As a fan of another team, I would like to see the majority of them go Castro Higgins, the two specifically, I I don't want my team to have to face anymore because those guys are just monsters. And then the last one's Cooper DeGene. I would be borderline shocked if he doesn't go pro, but I mean, here we are sitting. It's December 21st. He still hasn't announced. So each day that goes by, Iowa fans get their you know hopes up a little bit more. All right, moving on. The Maryland Terrapins, a little bit of a surprise here. Number 11 in the Big Ten. Number 50 overall. Not a lot of work being done in the TP. But head coach does what he does again, which at the last, the darn, I screwed it up. He got some dudes to flip at the locks minute. You like that? Did that work? <laughs> no, nah, I like Playing where I got last last minute guys that he gets flipped four five star guys. He got two yesterday. I, did I see that or was it just one? Well, I know that the offensive lineman Jordan Seaton was the one, but I don't think that that I don't even I don't know if that is a fit. Like if he signed, but basically he has flipped back or not. I don't know. It's happening. Yeah. It is a tradition. He yeah. finds a way to get at least one big fish. Right at the 11th hour every year. It doesn't annoy me. I'm just curious how he pulls it off. Like, does he purposely talk these kids into doing it because he has fun with it or because he honestly thinks that's the best way to get him in the fold? I don't know. I just, I just find it interesting. Yeah. He, I mean, it's, 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 it's a system of, it has, it has to be some form of strategy because it's too consistent to not be part of the plan. I mean, this doesn't happen every single year by accident. Like, it, that's not how that works. So, I don't know. You're One right. One of those it, ones where we can get the truth serum into a locks and get the real answer. It'd be interesting to hear. If it, there is, is, you're right. It's definitely part of the strategy. And it we see, we see 
you know, uh, last minute flips all the time, but not consistently with one team and consistently four and five stars with him. So it's been incredible to watch. Michigan Wolverines, kind of interesting here. Third in the Big Ten. That's not quite a surprise, but 16th overall in the country. Certainly Ohio State and Michigan fans have been attacking each other, their classes, the other fan base's reaction to their class. I'll just ask you straight up, is there something a little bit off being third in the Big Ten and 16th in the country? It's certainly lower than what we've seen Michigan in the past. Yeah, it's definitely lower. And with recent success, you would hope that Michigan would be higher. But I think I think Michigan has kind of gone their own way and what they're doing recruiting-wise, they're they're not they're not unloading their NIL money in recruiting. They're unloading their NIL money in the transfer portal and roster retention. So that's why you look at this Michigan team, and like we talked about at the beginning of the year, they're so old. It's because they're paying the players that are there to stay, and then they're recruiting the guys that they want, that they think can they can develop and build, because they're not getting into those huge bidding wars for the, the high-end guys that a lot of these that you have to do to get them anymore. They're still trying to pay them. They're still wanting to, but they're just not they're not they're not willing to yeah. throw the huge bags that 18-year-old kids some of these schools are. So they're content with taking a step down maybe in player and say, okay, this guy fits what we want, and we're gonna go that route, and then we'll try to keep him around for a few more extra years with NIL that way. So, so it's kind of a Iowa strategy on steroids. One thing I would say is I think it's all those things. I also think Harb's getting rumored a lot. It would not surprise me if he's not, you know, coaching at Michigan next year. It's got to play into this situation a little bit. Oh, I mean, yeah, you hear about it every year this time of year. I mean, hell, a couple of years ago, he was basically the Minnesota Vikings head, head coach until he wasn't. So it's it's a new, it's it's called Harb, or yeah, Harb, Harbuary. Is what yeah. they call it in February when he becomes the head coaching member for everywhere. That's what Michigan yeah. fans just call it more. We're just used to it. So, but obviously, other than that, uh, concentrating on college football playoff, there was there was a little bit of more news with something uh, going on where Harbs is getting accused of hiding some info. I saw that. I, I that was just like a fleeting couple tweets I saw yesterday. So. Another news story to keep to keep that, eye on with the Michigan Wolves. Goes back. That's the cheeseburger. The the notice yeah. of the allegations they got yesterday was the cheeseburger stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's I've just never seen stuff. actual, you know, pen to paper on him getting served something, what whatever level that is from the NCAA. Kind of like recruiting. I just get tired of following that stuff, but it's not it's ironic not. that it happened on National Signing Day, though, right? No, it is not. It never is. It never is with stuff like that. All right, moving to the rival Michigan State Spartans. Not great, Bob. Uh, number 12 in the Big Ten Conference. Not ranked in the top 50 overall. Decent doing in the transfer portal. Got Jordan Turner from Wisconsin. TJ Sheffield from Purdue. So those are guys we've seen play some quality Big Ten football. Other than that, I think, uh, I think we still got a coach that's getting used to his surroundings, doing some good stuff, TP and a little bit with recruiting, but still kind of working, working through his first year, first couple, you know, weeks on campus. Yeah, he was the Michigan state was able to hold on to Nick Marsh, who was a local wide receiver here in state that I know they were very happy about. And yeah, that's a good player. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of work for Jonathan Smith, but it uh, gets a few guys in the TP that he's gotten and to hold on to a few of the, the bigger name recruits that he did. It's that's, it's where you have to start. That's right. Because this is this is more of a rebuild than it really should be. But 
I mean, it is. You're in, you're in a little bit of a rebuild right now. And I, I say this knowing that none of this is actually going to be received, but if I'm a Michigan State fan or any fan in this situation, you have to do your best to take a deep breath, manage expectations, and understand that this is just how it goes whenever a new coach comes in. It's going to be a rough start from from right from the get-go. Give it some time. Things will look better at this time next year. Any any big recruit or, t, or uh, person you get in the TP, consider it a bonus. If you're a Michigan State fan, wins, you know, big wins next year are bonus build. And like I said, I say that to any college fan base, understanding that nobody is actually normal about their reactions to everything. Everybody go gets gets crazy, and I don't think Michigan State fans are going to be any exception to that. I'll I'll, I'll just state that. Uh, Jordan biting his tongue here a little bit. All right, staying in the <laughs> staying in the ends. The Minnesota Golden Gophers, not bad. Number eight in the Big Ten, number thirty-five overall. Big one being in-state four-star safety Koi Perch stays committed to Minnesota. Rumor has it Ryan Day was in the state of Minnesota on very recently. I, I believe maybe it was on Monday. I thought I heard or Friday, something like that. Doing what he could to get Koi Perch to flip, and PJ kept him. So that's that's a that's a big in. PJ PJ got his hooks into that fish and he reeled him in. <laughs> nice work. And then outside of that, we still don't have a DC hired. Uh, we got we got a bowl game coming up. I'll just say it now because then maybe we don't have to break it down so much. But as far as who's the defensive coordinator in the bowl game, I've heard Nick Monroe, Seth Wallace, and Danny Collins. I've heard three different names from three different people on who it could be. So I don't know who's going to be the defensive coordinator. Somebody that's familiar with, you know, the defensive personnel, don't get me wrong. And hey, then, maybe they'll do the Michigan thing for this year and they'll have a different defensive coordinator every quarter. Or, oh, I'm having a brain fart. Who was it? Purdue it was Purdue, right? That had the, the trio they have, yeah, of well, defensive yes, coordinators. Yeah. yeah. Yes. They, they should do that for the bowl. Worked, worked a little bit for Purdue. So try it there. Um, all right, moving on to the Nebraska Cornhuskers, number four in the Big Ten, number 22 overall. So a very strong class for Nebraska. Obviously, the headliner being five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola is officially in N N in parentheses. It was rumored, then it was not, it was a uh known rumor, and then it was official. What's your thoughts on Dylan Rayola uh uh coming into Lincoln? Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a great talent. You're not you're not this highly rated of a player, and for no reason. So great player. We'll see if they can put the talent around him and the offensive line around him to help him be successful. Which I mean, if you look at the top end of their class, there's there that there looks that kind of the direction. There's yeah. a lot of there's tight ends, there's offensive linemen, there's there's athletes. So that's what they're trying to do. We'll see. Um, yeah, Carter have, Carter I, Nelson, tight end. That's another one coming in. Uh, Thomas Fedoni still on the roster. Haven't seen anything. And th- they had young wide receivers look good. So we'll see. You know, it could make a big difference. Another thing is Chubba Purdy, who I believe Nebraska fans wanted him to stick around because now you are looking at a depth chart of two true freshmen and Heinrich Harburg, who isn't exactly high on, you know, the the list of quarterbacks that that Nebraska fans want to see play. So we'll see if they get active in the transfer portal with with that because it's it's going to be young offense next year, which is totally fine. Just let them build and do it. But a little bit of concern there in the quarterback room. 
Yeah, depth wise is always you always want to have more than one. I mean, and that's that's so it'll be interesting to see. But hey, as a Nebraska fan, you've got to be happy with what you got. Oh, there's this huge number of recruits. I mean, they brought in 29 players. That's like that's a huge class. So that just says Matt Rule is getting in guys that he wants. So that's what yeah. you have to do in this. I mean, if if I mean Dylan Rail is going to be the guy. That's what you signed up for. If he stays healthy and is good, you're good. Right. right. It's 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 that simple. He just yep. he has to be good and he has to stay healthy. And then shout out to Daniel Kalen. I I I know it's Kalen. I'm sorry, folks, I'm that bad with names in recruiting, but committed in-state kid at quarterback because Rayola isn't committed. Rayola comes back, he stays committed. I'm just saying, I like it when I see that out of a quarterback. So good on that kid for in-state kid for staying uh uh, uh committed to the in-state team. And then and then another Nebraska note. Shout out to the the women's volleyball runner up. I watched more women's volleyball th- this past weekend than I ever had. I gotta say I, that is the sport. I'll probably I'll probably label myself sexist here. I don't know, but it, it is the sport that that showcases women's athleticism more than any other sport. And and is that is that fair to say? I don't I don't know if you watched any of the women's volleyball at all. I mean, I'm not going to say I watch a ton of it, but I, I don't think you're wrong in that in that statement because it is. I mean, I, I have seen volleyball, I've watched volleyball, right. so I understand what you're getting at there. Yeah, that's that's a fair analysis, I think. I mean, you're looking at six two, six three girls, yeah, jumping out of the gym, moving around. That that part is just impressive of itself. Me, I mean, I played. We've all played some, you know, volleyball, beach volleyball. It's a freaking awesome pickup sport to play. Right. What I am mostly amazed at is when they get just like a heater, you know, and they can bump it <laughs> and keep it in play. Control it. Control it. Is, it. I right. don't know how, like, I, I'm a cheater. I always do the over the head set bump, you know, when I have the chance. I can position those well. But man, those girls doing that stuff, it's it's impressive to watch. It's a, I got to go to a, a big time because I've been to like high school stuff. I got to go to a big time women's volleyball and, and check it out live. Cause I, I bet it's got some, you know, energy and excitement if you're in the gym for those games. Oh, especially when you're talking about what, with what Nebraska's team is as good as it were. Some of the atmospheres that you've seen just going around for some of those matches was insane. Yeah. Wisconsin was obviously up there too. The caveat I would have is <laughs> I, I got to go with somebody to a women's volleyball game. I, I can't be rolling up in one of those by my, by myself. Yeah. Who's this like, creepy guy? Yeah. <laughs> so somebody hit me up. We'll, we'll, we'll check out a game together. All right, moving on to the Northwestern Wildcats. Listen, number 14th in the Big Ten, not ranked in the top 50, but I think David Braun, new coach, official coach, did a good job of explaining we're Northwestern. This is just what we do. We go about this stuff different. I fully support the way they're going about it. Trust the process type of deal. Yep, and I think more programs need to take the method that he is taking he understands who northwestern is i mean with with what that university is the academic standards that they have to go through with a lot of these players he is embracing look i understand that i can't go get every single player out there there's a specific type of player that we can get here and we're going to lean into that so it's it's a credit to him and i think more fan bases need to and, and the universities, for that matter, need to understand that this might be the strategy you have it, to take. It's not a bad strategy. They're probably, a lot of the times, their TP guys are going to probably be the best player from a Yale you know, or Ivy League type of team. I mean, that's kind of what they have to go up. But 
there is a refreshing level of simplicity for Northwestern on how they go about things in that we're going to just bring guys up. They're going to be guys that aren't going to be, you know, picked apart by bigger schools. We're just going to keep developing. Sure. A couple of them, once they get to be juniors and they're really good, might get picked off. We're going to live with that and move forward. So I support it. It's, it's the way to go. Completely agree. Next up, the Ohio State Buckeyes, number one in the Big Ten, number three in the country. Ryan Day, from all accounts I could see, was was butt clenchy, all right? Sweating bullets on number one wide receiver. It's a Smith. Right? Do, you, do you have his name? Jeremiah Smith, Smith, okay. I just want to say, it's just, there was a time in my life where I contemplated getting into coaching, but being a being a 40-some-year-old dude sweating out if a 17, 18-year-old is going to sign because you know how much that means to the fans and maybe even a certain degree the administration's view on you. Gross, man. Gross. I I would that would not be an enjoyable part of the job. I don't know. So. And I think that's why a lot of coaches are getting out of the college game and going different routes. They just they don't they don't like doing it. Now I will say. Jeremiah Smith is a special athlete. This kid is, he's insane. Like, I know we've seen a lot of extremely talented Ohio State wide receivers. There's talk that this might be the best one that they've gotten. Which, if that's even being brought up for consideration, that's just silly, right? With the run we've seen from Ohio State uh, wide receivers. So we'll see about that. And I would say, if you're not, if you're, if you're the number one wide receiver in the, in, in the country for recruit, I guarantee they put together an, a, a nice NIL package for him. Where else was the guy going to go that's going to be – you know what I mean? It's just – it's odd. Uh, I just don't from, like He's it. from the South Florida area that was down to Miami, Florida State, and Ohio State and staying home, and, and I know money being thrown at him. We all know Miami's down there throwing money around like they stole it. Okay. So And that and that's kind of what the push was, was, was hey, can stay home and make all this money down here. Okay. And as far as the class overall rankings, it's great. I always have the same kind of issues. It just seems like along the lines, not offensive tackles and defensive tackles. You know, you need those guys. Yeah, I'm so. scrolling. I'm scrolling through their page on twenty four seven, and the first offensive lineman is a good seven or eight spots down the list before you hit the first one. And and I'd I venture out of bed. It's the big criticism line. from Ohio State fans on social media was Larry Johnson, their defensive line coach, lost a lot of the guys that that he was in on and got. Um, so, that, yeah, it's concerning for sure. It's concerning at the level of Ohio State fans, right? I, I want to well, be you're talking about. They yeah. want to win for. They want to compete for national titles, and yeah, yeah. But overall, I mean, still, this is number. Oh, your class is still really good. Yeah, you're still yeah, top yeah, five class in the country, right? Want to yeah. be clear there. But if you want to find people nitpicking the class, look no further than a lot of Buckeye fans. They're the ones that are doing it. I think Mr. Ohio has been pretty good about being a sane, a more sane voice. Like, guys, this class is still pretty good. But a couple things here and there. You would think Ryan Day would want to tweak moving, moving forward. So we will see. Next team up, the Penn State Nittany Lions, number two in the Big Ten, number 15 in the country. Kind of your standard, I would say. It's gotten to be pretty standard Penn State class. Maybe a touch lower than what they have been, but it is, it's is—it's talent spread all, all around. 
there's going to be four or five great players in this class, just like there is any every other Penn State class. Yep, they got tight ends, they got running backs, they got quarterbacks, they got linemen. I mean, it's they've they've it's a pretty well spread out class. James Franklin's always been a good recruiter, and he always seems to build good rosters out yes. of the recruiting classes. So good way to to say that it's not just recruiting classes it's how he blends them in with the roster and i think that was a very excellent statement because he deserves credit for for that Absolutely. and then of course the big news out of happy valley put a smile on my face not everybody but it did for me crazy tommy allen fired from indiana as their head coach now the dc for Penn state L- love it man what's your, what's your thoughts oh i mean he's a great defensive coordinator the personality is what it is it's it's a, he's a lightning rod. I just want to see how hard he chest bumps James Franklin the first time. If he knocks him down, like who stands up when it first happens? Cause you know, it's coming that first big turnover. He's going to look for somebody to chest bump. Yep. Is it going to be James Franklin? Or is he going to get somebody else? Cause he's coming for one. He's going to get one. And I joked, we might not get out of the first half of the first game before we see that. In fact, the spring game, we, we might see the same thing. I don't know. So there are, there are some fans that don't like Tommy Allen, namely, I, I feel like it's Nebraska fans, Indi- uh, uh, Maryland fans a little bit. Like, there's some people that don't like Tommy Allen. I had some Penn State fans DM me, uh, what do you think? You know, like, they're kind of kicking the tires, and I said, I like this hire. Look at what he's been able to do defensively when he had some players at Indiana, and even more so before that when he was a defensive coordinator. The dude knows how to do defense. Now he'll get to concentrate on it. I think this is a really good, really good hire for for Franklin. Next game up, or next team up, excuse me, the Purdue Boilermakers, number seven in the Big Ten, number 34 overall. That's pretty darn good uh, with with, um, just getting going here. Uh, Tight end Garrett Miller into the transfer portal. Maybe a name that a lot of Big Ten fans don't know. When healthy, that guy was good. We will see where he lands there. But overall... I would say kind of what you would expect, you know, at this stage for Purdue, but overall pretty good. Yeah, this recruiting class is a is a Ryan Walters recruiting class if you've ever seen it. Holy defensive players. They got like three safeties listed in their top five. There's a couple defensive linemen, a couple DBs. They they're overhauling this defense. Ryan Walters is going after the guys that he wants for that defensive secondary, especially. So it is going to be interesting to see how much more and more they morph into what Illinois looked like when he was there, which is like lethal defensive teams, but kind of struggled on offense. That's why they couldn't get over the, the proverbial hump. So, and which by the way, will meet, will make Purdue a very tough team to play, but there is a, there's a, the top four receivers, three wide receivers in the tight end are gone. They're off the roster. There are definitely a couple guys in the wings, but if they're going to win games next year, they're going to have to get a couple, you know, quarterback pass catchers in something on the offense there. Yeah, I think they'll be they'll you'll see them stay pretty active in the TP here as it as it keeps churning along. Second to last team, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I think this is pretty good. Number nine in the Big Ten, number thirty nine overall. I, I you got to give Seattle credit. I mean, I think this is just doing dang good work to be right around where they're at. Yeah, I'm scrolling through looking at their class right now. It looks like another well-balanced class. You got offensive linemen, defensive linemen, some skill players, which I think all Rutgers fans would say, hey, it'd be nice to have a, yes. a couple more athletes on the outside to help the running game that we have. So that's probably a welcome sign from Scarlet Knight fans. I mean, their top player is a wide receiver. So Yep. 
So another good clip. So I would say very happy if I'm a Rutgers fan. Last team, Wisconsin Badgers, number five in the Big Ten, number 23 overall. So in the same, you know, timing as Ryan Walters, Luke Fickle looks like a class that Wisconsin fans should be pretty happy with. Yeah, I mean, Luke Fickle, that's kind of one of the things about him is he's a good recruiter. Like, he 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 knows how to, like we said about James Franklin, he knows how to build a class. And I think this has this has the shapes of it. There's, I think there's, I think you'll see them also be pretty aggressive in the TP as it winds down. Also, I think so. Got uh, Rodas Johnson, by the way, kind of sneaky defensive lineman that got into the transfer portal, so he left. But also got wide receiver Tyrell Henry from Michigan State. They got a tight end guy. They got an edge guy. I think they're going to get a couple more guys. I would think on the outside on offense to try to bolster that up a little bit last four teams. Cause I did not include them here and we're going to go really quick, but Oregon, they're looking good. Uh, they would be number two in the big 10. They are number seven overall. So Oregon is doing some work. I mean, we know that head coach can recruit USC got some issues. You see the list of former, you know, four and five star dudes that are in the transfer portal. Lincoln Riley is getting heat from Kirk Ferentz. He's getting heat from everybody right now. Fair to say, there's some there's some stuff going on in Southern California. You have to. Ask, you would be crazy to not ask the questions. Yes, I mean their 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 entire defense seems to be entering the portal. I mean it's it's alarming. Yeah, there's some issues going on there. Washington, they would be number ten in the Big Ten. They are number thirty one in the country i do think washington is more in the mold of a wisconsin an iowa they're going to get some good guys don't get me wrong but you just recruit the right dudes into the system let their very excellent offensive-minded head coach take control of them so you know i think probably some big 10 fans might be surprised to see washington that quote-unquote low it'll be interesting to see where they rank in the big 10 in recruiting as as they move through the next couple of years. Yeah, Kalen DeBoer's always been known of more of a, a coach versus the recruiter. So he's gonna have to surround himself with those those recruiters in his staff. UCLA would be 13th in the Big Ten, the only team in front of Northwestern, not in the top 50. You know, Chip was rumored to be gone, but they kept him. Yeah, things not phenomenal. It's, it's no secret that he hates recruiting. Like Chip Kelly, if, if he could not recruit, I think he would. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so then one little quick segment here. This is this is just me and Jordan uh, doing a little, you know, rapping here. The, the topic will be, as we get closer and closer to the game, Michigan, you know, being the essentially the representative of the Big Ten, God, did sad. you hear the vomit that just came out of some of my fan bases? Well, right there. Here's how it goes: I uh, uh, the Big Ten could go seven and two in the Bulls, but if one of the losses is Michigan, we're going to hear the same stuff all, all over again. So, I'll, I'll start with the negative. We'll jump with the ugly pine first. Harms has not looked good in the postseason, so we'll, we'll talk about it now. I, I, I. I I get accused of taking that the the high road too much. So this is me just, you know, I'm just calling you right on the carpet. What is going on with Harbs in the postseason? You know, I, I've, I've got my own couple thoughts on it, but I think we could agree it has not been good. Explanations think, why and how you feel moving into this game that we got 11 days from now. 
that is the <clears throat> million dollar question that even all the Michigan fans want to know. Why why does this team struggle so much in bowl games? Uh, um there's a lot of different <clears throat> questions you could ask about it. Is it is it your pre-bowl routine? Like everything coming out about it this so far this year is they've changed kind of their schedule and they've changed kind of their practice plan to try it a different way. I think that's probably a good idea because the last two obviously didn't work. And I would say before that didn't work, but I don't know why it's such an issue. I, I it doesn't, <clears throat> I can't for, for me, nah, I'm obviously not connected to the program, just a fan. I don't see anything that says that this is why it's happening. There, there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason. I sure as hell hope he gets it figured out though. And I do, I do too. I, I am, I am on, I'm on team Harbs for a game here, if not two. So I'm not. It's a fair, it's a hundred percent a fair criticism because it it's there. There's no excuse you can make around it. I mean, they've been bad in bowl games. Well, the explanation that Ohio state fans and Michigan state fans and just general haters would give is they don't have as much time to scout in parentheses, the opponent in a bowl game than they would during the regular season. It is a question. <laughs> it's a fair question that's been brought up. It's like, okay, Georgia, two years ago, dude, Georgia was a absolute freaking unit. Michigan was new to the party. Not that surprising. TCU last year, though, was some ugly shit. And it was a Michigan team that I had not seen play like that all year. That's where the quote-unquote conspiracy theories come from. I'm sure you've heard them yourself. No, oh, I mean, you hear them all, but I don't, I don't. I don't put a whole lot of weight into it as, as a Michigan fan. That TCU game to me was a classic, like, oh, we want, they walked into that game thinking they were going to walk right over them with no issue. And then they got punched in the mouth early on and stumbled backwards and said, oh shit, we're in trouble. And they couldn't, they couldn't overcome it. It was a poor game plan. I think it was a lazy game plan. I think I it was, we can just line right up and run it down their throat. And by the time that they made the adjustments that they could, it was too late. That's fair enough. I mean, there's certain that was my take watching the game live, you know, roughly a year ago. So I don't disagree with you on that. I think I if, if this is another situation where if you could inject him with truth serum, I bet you that coaching staff prepared more for Georgia than they did for TCU in that game. I think there was a I don't know if it was as much mentality as it just was poor game plan. <laughs> and because the game plan was so poor. It looked like they weren't, you know, ready to go. That would be my guess, but it's it's kind of that all in a big, smushy, right. ugly bag. So then during the season, this is my would be my other question for you. During the season, every college football fan, we get into a nice cadence, right? You your, your team plays every pretty much every Saturday. Of course, there's some exceptions here and there. Then after the Big Ten Championship, for you know, focusing on Michigan here, time's off, right? I mean, it's darn near a month until your team plays again. Where are you at, Jordan, as the fan? I'm assuming you exhaled a little bit after the Big Ten Championship. Are you, we're, we're, we're just over 10 days away. Are you starting to get geared up, starting to think about the game a little bit? So once the other bowl games start, you start to have more bowl games being played, and then every weekend there's more and more games. <clears throat> you start watching more games. Now the the anticipation starts to build a little, little bit. Yeah. I found myself watching way too much Alabama games. Yes, and it's like yes. I'm like trying like okay, I, I, there's all these little things that for for no reason. Thank you, YouTube. My own, Thank you, YouTube. Yeah, by the way, for no That's reason than my own like just insanity. I'm watching like what am I gonna? It doesn't benefit anything. But 
I still want to know. Yep. So I, I'm at that point right now where I'm, I'm watching too much game tape to try to figure out, okay, what do we need to do as a team to get to win this game? So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm starting, starting to get there. that. Okay, yeah. I'm ready for this week, to, the week to get here, and then the buildup and everything. I'm, I'm starting to get to that feeling. But well, there, was, you- there was at least a full week, week and a half where it was like, you know, it's kind of nice just to shut this off for a little bit, let everything reboot yes. and go. Me too. I like the break as well. Then I start getting ready, so I'm with you there. Then, uh, so that, that's good. That's that's good answers. Uh, last thing I would say, because you're talking about more and more bowl games coming up. Now, we've, I mean, we've got, I, could, I mean, it was like 10, I would say 10, somewhere around 10 bowl games we've already played. Uh, we're recording this midday Thursday, the 21st. So, now we start getting into Big Ten games, and I'm just I'm just gonna throw it out there for Big Ten fans. Sort of a prediction, sort of a warning, you know, prepare yourself type of deal. Almost every one of these games is on the Disney Channel, so we're talking ESPN, ABC. They they ain't real fond of the Big Ten Conference, so people can start giving me reports on times where they think the announcers are heavily favoring the team that's playing the Big Ten team because I don't think we're all going to be making it up. My guess is you're going to hear a lot of that as these we work through these Big Ten balls. They will be very heavy-handed towards the Big Ten opponent. I, I feel extremely confident in that. Not a, not a Minnesota fan. The one that I remember the most was the Minnesota-Auburn Outback Bowl, I think it was. Oh my gosh! Like, was it Rod? I think it was Rod Gilmore. It it was it was like he was just in, uh, amazed every time Minnesota was able to get a stop or get a first down. He just he just couldn't believe that Minnesota was staying with those incredible athletes from Auburn. Let alone the fact that Minnesota won the bowl game. It was just I. It should have been like a like you put that game film out there on how not to sound like an idiot when being biased towards one of the teams. It was incredible. I think one of the games we're going to talk about today has a potential to be that game. Okay. I'm curious to see that. The Eyes on Big Podcast sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels to blend it together and make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. All right, we got four games to talk about. Excited. Let's jump right into it. Our first game up is on Saturday. December 23rd, the SRS distribution, the Las Vegas Bowl. And when I think of two fan bases to go to Las Vegas, let's take one from a heavily Mormon area and this this scholastic type of people from Northwestern, right? Perfect. (laughs) Will Vegas even know that there's people in town to watch a bowl game and, and follow their team? You have to think that when the, the bowl selection people put this together, they chuckled a little bit. Like, oh boy, look at this one. Something. Like if you had Oregon fans and Nebraska fans as yeah. compared to Utah and, and Northwestern. Now, don't get me wrong. BYU is the true, you know, Mormon. U- Utah people can get down. Shout out to my buddy Josh, by the way. Huge, huge Utah fan. Grew up with him. He he, he runs my bowl pool now because I, I, I can't do it anymore. So he definitely is not the type that that is, not, you know, not going to be partying, uh, as in some people in that state does. So he's he's ready to go. All right, let's go ahead and move on. The eight and four 
Utah Utes versus the 7-5 and five Northwestern Wildcats. 6.30 p.m. game on ABC on the 23rd there. Line Utes by six and a hook over under 41.5. So Vegas is saying something like 24 to 18 Utah. What you looking at? So the Wildcats lead the all-time series here two to one. The last time they played was in a bowl game, the 2018 Holiday Bowl, where the Wildcats won 31-20. So bowl season history in this matchup on the favor of Northwestern. And if I can remember, I think that was something like a 10-point spread. For Utah, it was even bigger than this one. It, it it was up there. So get to know your Utah Utes down the stretch. A little bit crazy. I mean, they were either blasting people or getting blasted. It seemed like for most of the games, a couple close ones. Don't get me wrong. They got an issue at, at quarterback. Okay, we they are essentially down to their fourth string quarterback named Luke Batari. He look he's looked okay. I mean, he looked like a guy that you know hadn't played any football at that level. Does get a ton of bull practice. Don't don't sleep on that. That's not a nothing burger heading into this game where you get a comfortable with a, at least a couple more packages on offense. But that's a big storyline here, along with Utah having some guys out on defense, but mostly of them are are in the secondary. They've got a really good rush defense up up close to the ball for for the Utes. Well, that's Kyle Whittingham. I mean, their coach. I mean, you you can always count on that. So. One thing for me with bowl games that I always, you always have to take into consideration is I'm gonna steal the the line here the want to you know how much do these teams want to be at these games because there are some of these bowl games where these teams look at this and go there's no chance in hell I'm gonna go here and play hard I'm going for the free stuff and a vacation and the football game is secondary so that's a thing to keep in mind with all of these games as we're going so- because whether we say it or not these are still. 18 to 23, maybe 27 year old kids in some of the Utah mindset, but there's there's still that mindset that creeps in with some of them. 100. percent I could attest to it myself. Uh, my freshman year, we played in the Alamo Bowl. We were ready to go. Next year, Sun Bowl, we did not want to be there, no. and it was com- <laughs> two completely different scenarios. And maybe I'll get into details with that some other time. But so those things are real. I at one point, Jordan, I thought about charging us with essentially being a won't to ranking out of five. So if you want to do it on the fly, that way we don't have to put much thought into it, but I would have Northwestern at like a 4.5 on the won't to scale. I would have probably have Utah around like a three. Is that, what do you think about those? We are, we are reading this the exact same way. I think, I mean, this is a Utah team that played in a PAC 12 title game last year. They, they had high expectations coming into this year. And then like you mentioned, all the quarterback injuries and issues, that they had kind of derailed the season. It's still a good team. There's still good talent on this Utah team, but this just isn't exactly where they were hoping to be. So I think that, like you said, yes. the want to aspect of it kind of leads into this. And then you look at the Northwestern side of it, where they weren't supposed to win four games. And now they've got seven wins. They've got a new coach who's really re-energized what they're doing. I think the one to you could this is going to be as close to a five, I think, as you're going to get from a team because they want to prove, okay, look. We are a team that's going to keep getting better. This wasn't just the flash in the pan that this season looked like. Yes. I will say this. If you look at Northwestern down the stretch, I'm not saying they were playing tight, but they wanted to get to that sixth win. I think something that I didn't take into consideration in the Illinois game was they had reached their goal of bowl eligibility, and they let it all hang loose versus Illinois. And what was the result we got? 
a blowout over Illinois, which I, I found surprising. I wonder if that's the same Northwestern team that we would get in this bowl game. Like, don't get me wrong. We want to win this game. But, hey, we are playing with the casino's money right now. And I just want to say, I I wonder if maybe this Northwestern offense has rounded into a much better offense than people get it credit for. Ben Bryant looked good when he was healthy and down the stretch. The running backs Porter and Tyus can do stuff. Wide receivers Johnson and Kurtz can do damage. It, it's a really good uh, Utah defense, okay? Losses in the secondary – I am interested to see if the game plan is going to be to try to actually light it up and get aggressive. I'm a little bit more dialed into this game than I think some people are. I I think it could wind up being fun or it could wind up being a slog fest. I, I'm just saying, I don't know. And, and, and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I, I, th- I think you're, I, I lean more of the fun side. Okay. Personally. And, and my thoughts on what this game is when I, now when I first broke it down, I'm like, okay, 41 and a half, yeah, okay, I could, this is going to be kind of a back and forth. Neither team really wants to do anything. But then the more I dug into it, and like you said, this Northwestern offense really hit stride as the season went, and they started to show a little bit more of that explosiveness that you need to have in an offense. Yep. So that's the interesting piece of this, because Utah, Kyle Whittingham always has good defenses. His defenses are always just good. So can Northwestern find a few big plays in this game to get it over the top? Six and a half points is a lot. Um you got more on this? You want me to go, go for it? Go for it. Yeah. So I've gone back and forth. This was the one game with it's me that one. I couldn't, I couldn't hundred percent decide on where I felt. You've you've talked me to the other side of this okay. live in the moment. So I initially had Northwestern losing this game. Wow. 21-20 in a close game. I am switching my pick. I am going to take Northwestern 24, Utah 21 to get the win outright. And I love the six and a half points here. I think if you're betting, I love six and a half. If you're going to give me almost a touchdown in a game that I think is played in the margins, you take those points. And that's just a hair over the number. By the way, I've got an Amador lock. Do do you have one? I have one. Okay, but it's not this one. Not this one. So it's not your Amador. This was was my number two. This was my number two. Okay. I was on your same page at one point not to the point where i had northwestern winning the game but uh, you know covering and i don't know man maybe maybe paralysis by analysis because now i feel like i'm gonna pull, pull the rug out from underneath you but here's the deal i overplayed the utah fans they are close to las vegas there's going to be a lot of red in this stadium people are going to have fun and go to this game and and, and show up for utah and kyle winningham this is a really good coach. He just is not the type of coach to take a laissez-faire approach to this, these bowl games. So they will be dialed in and ready to go. I'm nervous about Northwestern when they wind up going against good defenses. Because if you look at their offensive output when they've gone against good defenses, it's it's gone away. And I still think there's enough there in the front seven for Utah to win this game. So I got Utah 23 Northwestern 14. So sort of a late sweaty cover for Utah. And at 37 points, I got it going under. That's I mean, that's where I initially okay. started with the game was that, that exact feel. So, but, but the, the other game script is there. It's I, I, I could see it happening. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong. All right. Next game up is on Tuesday, December 26th, the quick lane bowl. 
in beautiful downtown Detroit, Michigan. When's the last, when's the last time you, you kicked around downtown Detroit there, Jordan? No, we went to a Tigers game earlier this year. Down, see, now, the thing downtown. about Detroit, the, mm-hmm. the thing about Detroit now is if you stay downtown, it's fine. Yep. Because they've completely cleaned it up around all the stadiums and everything. You just don't want to venture two or three blocks too far away from downtown because then it gets a little so, sketchy. So quick story. I worked quite some time ago. It was over you know, a decade ago. And my boss was from Michigan. He lived in uh, Novi. And so I, he took me downtown to show me downtown Detroit. And I said, I want to see Motown. And he goes, okay, roll up. <laughs> and then what, what I was amazed was how close, I mean, how close Motown was to Detroit but I could not believe how much it went from posh downtown Detroit to wherever that part of the you know city is where Motown. And then the other time, it didn't look good. All right, just being clear here. And I couldn't I couldn't believe how tiny Motown Records was, man. It was basically in yep. somebody's living room, which made me yep. love. I love Motown. I love me some Motown music, man. J Five and all that, you know. So like, it, it was pretty awesome to see, though. But also, yeah. Shocking. So I I have a, when I. I was younger going to old tiger stadium with my dad. Uh, old tiger stadium was not in downtown Detroit. It was more off in the outskirts and we were leaving a night game and it's so, you know, very late and we come up to a stoplight and my dad didn't stop. <laughs> he kept right on rolling through it. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, you don't stop. Just stop trust lights me. in this area. Just yeah. we're gonna just go. Just go. Get out of there. Roll them up. As a <laughs> not a not a not a line from Christmas Vacation, but one of the vacation movies. All right, what do we got? We got a football game here. The seven and five Bowling Green Falcons versus the five and seven Minnesota Golden Golfers. Obviously, Minnesota getting in with their APR, right? Yeah, academic progress yes. rate. Yep, APR. Yep. It's a one o'clock p.m. game on ESPN. Line Gophers by three and a hook over under thirty eight point five. So Vegas is saying 21 to 17 Gophers. Yeah, all-time series is tied. Two and two. And if I I'm I'm good. sorry, Minnesota fans, I'm gonna bring this up. The last meeting was in Dinky Town in 2021, where the, the Falcons did come in and win 14 to 10. I know every gopher from here yeah. I'll duck that way. Yep. Everything that's being thrown at me right now misses, but that's the recent history here. And there's I'm I'm not garnering a ton of energy from Gopher fans right now on this this bowl game. I would say this is probably the bottom of the barrel uh, as far as the the want to. I'd probably put Minnesota at about a two and a half or three. Two. The fans would be would even lower. Two. two, so even lower. I don't know about Bowling Green either. You know, I'm not 100 percent sure how well represented either one of these fan bases are going to be. For this game, and it's just an awkward day, the day after Christmas. Like, when are you supposed to fly out? Like, I know they, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. I I think if you're going to have a cold weather bowl, you need to give the fans more time before or after Christmas because people will be more apt to go to a warm weather place to celebrate, you know, Christmas in a warm, like they can make it a vacation feel. Going to Detroit that Christmas though that's 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 just not a good call. I don't know. It's, it's, it's supposed to be almost sixty degrees over here Christmas I, day. I hear you there, but you're still traveling to a not beach area the day of or morning of Christmas. I don't know. That's just my. I mean, this game's at one o'clock, so you're gonna have to fly in Christmas day. I'm sorry, we're getting all over here. By the way, Minnesota. I have no idea again who their defensive coordinator is. I'm going to assume though that it's going to be some continuity with the defense. I think Minnesota's defense 
will show out pretty well here against who? Connor Basilak, formerly of the Hoosiers. Not a bad quarterback. He shows, you know, some snippets here and there. Doesn't have a ton of weapons to work with when uh, the Bowling Green offense played a good to pretty good defense. It it went bye-bye. So I, I'm alluding to things here. I, I do like this matchup for Minnesota's defense in this game. Yeah, that that's kind of where I was thinking too, because obviously Michigan played Bowling Green this year, so I got I, I watched the full game of it. The, the interesting part to me, because I do think that Minnesota's uh, defense is going to do just fine against that offense. The interesting part to me is the other side of the ball, yep. because Bowling Green did a pretty good job of slowing Michigan's running game down, and with Ethan Kaliak Manis not playing, you're you're down to Cole Kramer as the quarterback. We know PJ wants to run the ball 50 times a game. You know Bowling Green's just going to say, all right, we're going to put eight guys in the box and try to not let you. I'm very, very interested to see how that this new quarterback looks in this situation because he's going to have to be able to make some throws to loosen that defense up a little bit. There you go. I know what game plan we're going to get. We are going to get just an amazing dose of Minnesota running backs running at this defense to see if something breaks. Haven't seen many opt-outs from the Gophers. I think the Gof- most of the Gophers are playing in this game. I think we got some of the stars like Newbin that want one last time to show themselves out. So I, I feel good about Minnesota. Cole Kramer is going to have to make some plays. Don't get me wrong, but not a ton of plays. He just has to make some of the available plays and don't turn the ball over. One of PJ's favorite quotes is the ball is the program. Side note, I actually kind of like that. I, I hate to admit it, but... That is going to be beat into his head for this game. So, so Cole, that's what I'm asking for you, man, here, because this is going to play into my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Do not turn the ball over, and they should be fine. I'll get into it if you, if you don't mind. Low scoring, I think Minnesota pops it a little bit late to put this game away somewhat handily. I got Minnesota 24 Bowling Green 13, so at 37 points, I have that going under. And considering the step up in class that Minnesota is to Bowling Green, a little bit of revenge factor for this game. Minnesota negative 3.5 is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. No, we see it pretty similar. You got a little bit more from Minnesota. I went 21-14 Minnesota. I think this is kind of like you said, PJ kind of just boa constrictors the hell out of this game. And I, I like the under in this game pretty comfortably now there's the turnover aspect of yes. it that kind of makes that a little scary, but I'm at 35 points. You're under also, I think the unders are not a terrible play here. Definitely where I would lean for this game. Next game up Thursday, December 28th, the bad boy Moore's pinstripe bowl six and six Rutgers versus the seven and five Miami hurricanes from the ACC. So this is our correct. Nope. Second power five versus power five. Matchup, 1.15 p.m. that day on ESPN. Line Canes by one, over under 40.5. So Vegas is saying a tight one, 21 to 20 Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are 11-0 all time in this series against oh. the Scarlet Knights. We got they the whole not, Big, East, Big East battles. Right? Yeah, they have not played since 2003. Okay. So 34-10 Miami. Now, shame on me. I didn't even my brain didn't even go there. Of course, yeah, you know, no. like not exactly a rivalry, but you know, this adds a little bit of intrigue. Old, right. old, old conference foes. Now we talk about want to. You can't find me a bigger disparity in want to 
in this than this game right here. Absolutely. You have the Miami Hurricanes who are coming to New York City New York three City. days after Christmas playing in Yankee Stadium. So they're leaving South Beach where it's just beautiful and sunny all the time and coming up to New York. And Rutgers, who lives in that all the time, and hey, they're they're this program is climbing. They want they, I would put Rutgers at a four and a half and Miami at a one to negative one on yes. this want to scale. Yes. yes. I, I I I mean has to play. We're, we're in a baseball stadium, so this game is just gonna be ugly and nasty. And you want to talk ugly and nasty? That is exactly what Rutgers wants. You want to yes. want to punch it out and play a dirty game? Yes, please. I I it had I gone first to speak, I would have said everything you just said right now. I can't imagine anybody not having that take on this game, which is why I'm surprised to see some of the things I've seen written about this because now see, this that's just, where I'm going. Because, like I said, there's one this this is the game. Yes. This is the Minnesota Auburn game that you talked about for me. These commentators uh, for this game will okay. be fawning over Miami because, well, look at all the recruiting success that they're having. Look what Mario Cristobal's doing. Look at all these this talent. And then every time that Rutgers, little, little Rutgers, makes a play and stops them, which I think is going to happen quite a bit, I think I think this is that game. This is the game where you're going to see yeah. the ESPN crew just drooling over an ACC team, which ESPN has control of, yes. versus a lowly little Big Ten Rutgers. I, I think I would put the disparaging comments higher for Northwestern versus Utah. However, you do bring up a good point that they're in the ACC. So we'll leave that up to the eyes on big listeners. You, you folks let us know who you think they're, they're digging on more uh, Northwestern or Rutgers. It's a good question. I don't, I don't know if I know, but it's a good point. Um, All those things you brought up, all this plays into this. I will say if I'm a Rutgers fan, I'm a little bit, ticked with the forecast because we're looking at like mid 50s i mean i know these things can change a little bit i would have loved this thing to be near freezing a little bit of wind snowy, gusts, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah because then the hurricanes would have went from a one to 100 a negative one in that case i i think about this game two three years ago it was miami wisconsin i believe and wisconsin just rolled their asses because i mean they were tough miami didn't want to be there I'm not saying we're going to completely get that here. And the good news is, since it's not freezing cold, it won't be the ice rink that Iowa and Syracuse, I think it was, or no, excuse me, Iowa Boston College played on four or five years ago. Ridiculous. It was the most ridiculous setting for a football game. I mean, guys were falling down, just getting out of their stances, both sides, we shouldn't have it's, that here because it's warm. It's, so it but it's be fine. still a baseball stadium. I mean, you saw it at Wrigley earlier this year with Iowa. these baseball it's stadiums get are not made for football They're games. They're not. It's not the same turf. So hopefully, though, there isn't any injuries, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's just something you got to bring up with these baseball stadium games. So the Hurricanes, by the way, to, to add to the one, the negative one reason to want to be there, they're down to essentially their third or fourth stream guy at quarterback, Ja'Cory Brown, Tyler Van Dyke. Off to the Badgers, all right? So he's not going to be there. Their backup quarterback is injured. This will be the first snaps for their quarterback in this game. Definitely something to look out for. Against a good Rutgers defense. A good and underrated Rutgers defense, whether this ESPN crew wants to admit it or not. Now, I will say, if this Miami defense feels like playing, they will control their side of the field as well. 
there there we see snippets of the Rutgers offense at times, but we need the fun guy, Kyle Manun guy, to get going in this game for Rutgers to score a lot of points. Could it happen? Sure. We'll see. I mean, that's that's well, but the other piece of this too is a lot of the Miami defensive players that you're talking about aren't gonna play in this game. Correct. I don't know that they've opted out yet, but like you're talking about a couple guys that are projected late first, early second round picks. They're not going to play in this game. Those those guys will not be playing. So then you get into the depth of this Miami defense and see what that's really about. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this. I, I don't have a whole lot more I really want to break down with this game because I, I like where I feel with this. I think this game plays right into Rutgers' hands. I, I love the setting. Like, it's in New York on a shitty field where it's going to be sloppy and a messy game. And it's two things that I like. Rutgers is going to want to run the ball and control the clock, and they're going to want to play good defense. So I'm taking Rutgers 20-17, to 17, outright win here, under, baseball stadium unders. It's a principle of mine. You bet those when they're there. I've I've already played the under. I got it, I think, at 41.5, so even better. But baseball stadium unders is a thing because these fields, you just can't run on them. I'm going to fall down. Literally everything Jordan just said, I concur. You had 20-17. to 17, I have 19 to 17 Rutgers. So we're one point away from doing it again. So that's what I see. The only thing that really makes me nervous is Gavin Wimsett. I I will say this. If Gavin Wimsett throws a pick six, they're going to lose the game. If Gavin Wimsett does not throw a pick six, they will win it. How about that? It's almost like there's a statistic for it. (laughs) All right. Last game up, which kind of winds up perfect because it works out as the Big Ten game of the week, even though we didn't put it out to a vote. This game will be on Friday, December 29th. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. The number nine, 10-2 Missouri Tigers from the SEC. Playing the number seven ranked 11-1 Ohio State Buckeyes. 7 o'clock p.m. game on ESPN. Line Mizzou by two and a half. Over under 48.5. So Vegas is saying something like 26-23. to 23. Missouri Tigers over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State leads the all-time series 10-1-1. They have not played since 1998 when the Buckeyes won 35-14. So it's been a long time since these two teams have played. And I think the the tone in which you said Missouri was going to win is part of it. Like, like Missouri's not traditionally a powerhouse yeah. of a program. They are not. So these two teams aren't going to play a whole lot because the only opportunity would be bowl games. So Side note, shout out to... Gary Pinkle and Missouri back in the day when they joined from the big 12 and everybody told them how they were going to get their lunch handed to them went out and won the division first two years. I, I just always feel like that's something that's never been brought up. And I know this is somewhat ancient history, but come on, man, you know, like mighty sec, you couldn't even keep Missouri out of the sec championship. Their first two years in I'm just saying here. So the want to factor. All right. I would say Missouri is, 4.5, maybe five. Fair to say? I, I Yeah, I would think so. I mean, they have to be, right? This is the biggest bowl game they've played in in how long? Long time. So, haven't seen a lot of opt-outs surrounding Missouri. They're kind of the perfect candidate in that it's not like the SEC championship was pulled away from them late. We all knew it was going to be Georgia. So, like, mentally speaking... It's not like they felt like they didn't get to where they wanted to go. Now you get to play the mighty Ohio State Buckeyes where all the pressure is on Ohio State. Maybe they don't want to be there. Me, though, 
I've started looking into this a little bit more. I feel like there's a little bit more want to from Ohio State. Okay, you're nodding. I did not think you're going to agree with me there. I'm going to put it at a, if I could cheat a little, like a 3.8, getting close to a four. I would have said three and a half leading to four. So, yeah. We're on the same page. I Yeah. Me thinks Ryan Day wants to win this game. Well, let's look at recent history here. So, last year, they lose to Michigan. Everybody's down on them. And they're like, oh, this team, they're, they're just, oh, well. and then they get in the playoff and they were a literal feat from beating Georgia in the playoff game. And then the year before that, they go to the Rose Bowl. That's out there. And they're even going to care. And they put on a show out there. This Ohio State team is still talented. Yes. I mean, they still, these games are still good, big games. Like, it's not like because they didn't make the playoff that this entire team is just quitting. Like the, and even if some of these starters opt out, which right now, pretty much everybody on the defense is playing. And I okay, and I I have dug into Mr. Ohio. I've tried a couple of Ohio State fans, like I'm searching. Okay, first off, Maserati Marv, no announcement has been made. He hasn't even declared for the draft. I, I kept asking him, like, am I crazy to think Marv is gonna play in this game? There, there is no consensus here. I'll be honest with you. I'm going under the assumption that Marv is playing in this game. Maybe I am crazy. And then I'm also, and this is maybe even, no, I, I was going to say a bigger factor, but a huge factor as well as Travion Henderson. Because the, the what would make me probably the most nervous if I'm a Buckeye fan is the depth at running back. Their number two and right. three guy are, are gone. And I'm not saying they don't have another guy that can carry the pill, but you do want a second running back, especially if Travion goes out or doesn't play in this game where where's your thought process with the stars playing in this game yeah it's it's the whole leaning point in this game that's why you can't bet you can't bet this game right now this is a game if you're if you're a gambler you've got to wait till thursday ish yes just you find out who's playing in this game because this line is going to shift drastically if you find out that marv and travion and jtt and jack sawyer and burke and all these guys are playing this line is going to shift by a full touchdown the other direction i think or is the thought process if i'm a true gambler i take ohio state in the points now because when it gets okay so i already did it all right that's (laughs) you know or a money line bet like that it is the sneaky good thing about these bulls is the unknown and anxiety and then get to see new dudes in the scarlet and gray in this situation to, to see how they look mostly talking about Devin Brown here. There was a lot of Ohio state fans clamoring for Devin Brown during parts of the year. Part of the reason why I think Kyle McCord is no longer playing in this bowl or, or at Ohio state. I am excited to see Devin Brown my thought process is that they're going to lean into Devin Brown, the runner. I think that's how they will attack this Missouri defense, along with him throwing the ball to, to Marv if he's playing. Don't get me wrong, but that is one of the things I'll be excited to see as far as the, the X's and O's and game plan of this game. Yep. No, I agree with you. It's, I mean, Ohio State, I mean, and what you've, the, obviously we don't, we don't have any like true reports, but what you've seen across the social media world is that Devin Brown's looked pretty good. Yep. In bowl prep, I mean, he was a highly recruited player. It's still it's not a nobody day. here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still not... Ohio State's offense. I'm, like, I'm there's, with you, man. There's still talent around there, and like, let's be honest here. Yes, Missouri's had a good year, and it's it's they're a good team, but 
outside of when they played Georgia, have they played a defense that's anywhere in the ballpark of what this Ohio State no. defense is going to be, even if some of these guys don't play? Like, I just – I And I, then I and then if you – because you look at Missouri, they are – when they're good, they're scoring, right? That's mm-hmm. how they go about things. I don't give a shit what SEC fans say. Your defenses aren't as good as they used to be. Yes, it is a combination of two things. Two things can be true at once. Another one of my favorite things. Yes, the SEC has made a more commitment to vertical passing games, better quarterbacks. They're spending the money to get those quarterbacks in, all that kind of stuff. That is certainly a part of the points that we see out of the SEC, along with issues on defense. Because I've watched enough SEC games to be like, that dude's just out of place. You know, like there's guys open. I don't care who you're going against. Guys consistently being open is on the defense at some point. So I do believe this is the best defense they have put faced. Georgia is a great defense. Don't get me wrong. This is the best defense, assuming all of the Ohio State guys are in there. All of this that we're kind of talking about is going to play into my prediction. All of it plays into me being excited to watch this game, a Friday night game. Christmas is, you know, over this going to be kind of a fun one to to check out. I, well, it's the leading game to the big yeah. weekend. Well, it's the leading yes. game to the big yes. weekend of all the playoff games. It's a great way to start that weekend. And the Cotton Bowl may very well be the best non, you know, college football playoff uh, New Year's Six game. In fact, it's probably not even up for debate. I do think this is the best. So Hopefully that's enough to get Ohio State, you know, up and wanting to play this game. I'm going under the assumption that that is what we're going to get. We touched on it just a little bit more. Ryan Day is he gets heat, you know, he gets heat because he Which needs to be perfect. He deserves, he deserves some of it, sure. Yes, because you're the Ohio State coach. He hasn't beat Michigan the last right. three years, so that is that is he's now. I think Ohio State fans sometimes forget that he was in that same boat the last two years, and then he won the Rose Bowl. It helped take heat off of him in the offseason. Now, he lost to Georgia, but showed out. The point I'm trying to make here, kind of, you know, lazily, is winning the bowl games has a little bit of effect on the heat of your chair in the offseason. I think those are the reasons why I, I have this at like a 3.8 want to. And the reason I'm going to predict when I'm going to predict to foreshadow things a little bit. You have said exactly what I said. Go ahead. Go into your, go into what you got here. I got Ohio state 27, Missouri 17. So I like Ohio state covering and winning outright. Obviously I think Missouri is going to be up against a little bit more with this defense than they think they will. And at 44 points, I've, I've got this going under. I do not hate this as an under in any capacity. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I have Ohio State winning this game 28-21. Uh, and I, before I go any further, my Amador double barrel lock of the week is Ohio State plus, okay. plus two and a half. Because if you're going to give me two and a half with a team I think is better, then yes, I'm going to take it. I mean, for sure. So that's 49 points. That's slightly over. The only reason I lean to the over here is because Missouri does have some good weapons on yes. offense. And if a few Ohio State defensive players don't play, that could lean to a little bit more points. And I still think Ohio State's going to score no matter who's playing or not. So that's why I lean that way. But I just think the overall more talented team is Ohio State. 
I mean, it's not an outlandish I, statement. I think either. we're over. I think we're overthinking For the sure. room a little bit here I, with with what this is. I mean, eh, with, yeah. I yeah, love I, getting two and a half points. Like I said I already played it personally. Yep, it's my lock of the week here. You're gonna give me the the who I believe is the much better team plus points. Yes, please. Yep, I'm I'm in the same boat. Don't overthink it. The only trouble is the 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 over under is more in question to me than 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 the line because sure. if there's a bunch of of Ohio State guys that don't play on offense. If you just take Travion Henderson, okay, off of the offense, this thing's going under. So that's why I erred towards the under, because if that's the case, you would see a more ball control offense out of day and keep the thing mucky to take shots at some point. So I feel like two out of the three game scripts go under, but we will see. It's going to be a fun one yep. to, to watch. I'll have my, my family Christmas down in Iowa earlier that day. Me thinks, uh, the, the ancient Greeks, my parents, will probably open up presents a little bit early so that we can watch this football contest because that's the type of family we are. That's just kind of how we roll. Hey, everybody's on the same page of that kind of stuff. It just makes it all better. All I of am. my Christmas stuff will be wrapped up and done by then. Yep. I won't have any more to go to. So we are done and moving on to New nice. Year's football. So speaking of, uh, we got one more podcast so we'll wish you a, a happy new year meaning the listeners on the next podcast but this podcast i will post asap today on the 21st which means the next podcast will be post christmas so i say to you jordan and the eyes on big listeners merry christmas hope it's a hope it's a good one for you folks i i will echo those sentiments enjoy a few amadors on christmas night and relax enjoy your families hopefully everybody has a great merry christmas I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.